The unicorns of our imagination often show up in our subconscious before they show up in reality. We catch a blurred glimpse just before waking, or we hear their hoofbeats before drifting off to sleep. The dreams of all over time, finding us where we really are, not where we think we ought to be. In a way, our destiny lies in the journey. And it can be difficult to see that it's the path that truly matters, not the destination. And many times, we need someone to help us realize that. Those are the trusted guides, the mentors, and those who have seen the journey through. And maybe in those relationships, we see the beauty of what a unicorn really represents. Hope for a future yet to be realized a new hero being formed, a continuation of a dream inherited from one dreamer to another. This is Zero to Unicorn. In our last episode, we heard from Mike's childhood friend, Jordan, who got to see a firsthand glimpse of Mike's leadership while working on a mini storage project for Ed, Mike's father, during a summer home from college. We also learned how Mike met Alyssa, his wife and business partner. We returned to the story with Alyssa and Mike still feeling unsure about whether Ed's company, Kason, could provide the opportunity to make a significant and positive impact on the world. It was a lot of back and forth too, you know. Ask us on a Monday, we're leaving. Ask us on a Thursday, we're staying forever, you know, like it it did go back and forth. Yeah, so I went off to college uh, to study computer science, mathematics, and management, and I did virtual reality, uh, special effects. Uh, we did we programmed video games, the the effects and stuff for that. I worked for uh, the Minnesota International Film Festival for a while. My my dream and heart was very much along the that line. And you know, we're both fairly analytical, so. You know, the pros and cons and the pros started waiting, outweighing the cons, if you will. And, you know, and as we got closer to wanting to start a family, we also, you know, figured well, it'll be nice to be right here by both sets of grandparents. You know, our parents live only a mile apart, right? And in between them is the elementary school we went to. So, you know, that made sense logistically as well. And I was an econ major in school and I studied business and finance and that kind of stuff. So um, Mike and his dad approached me about working for them for a little bit, um, helping get the project up and running, that kind of thing. So I thought, okay, well, this might be a good, good learning opportunity, a good filler job for a while. But then I stuck around for <laughs> a long time. And there's a lot of history there. There was times where both Mike and I thought we should go do something else. And I, I honestly didn't want to really engage too much in the family business. And looking back, I think the deep reason why is that I don't want people to think it was given to me. I really wanted to make my own way in life. Uh, and what I realized was that 
is that really I wanted to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact in the world. And it took me some time to realize this, but like we could take this small building and grow it into something much larger and to actually have that meaningful impact in the world. So eventually I got past my new ego um, to support that. You know, as you grow up, um, you go through vulnerable times as you're, in your life, as you're trying to figure out who you are. And there's always this narrative going on in the back of your head, or at least it was going on in the back of my head of, am I good enough? And whenever we try something new, right, we fail. And the people around you might look at you and say, I don't know if you are good enough. I don't know what you have, but what it, what it takes. And I think that, that fundamental fear, that vulnerability made me think that, well, if, if I do something great in life, but I just do it on the back of my dad, people just look at me and say, you weren't good enough. It was, it was just your dad doing it. You just, you just relaxed off of his back. And I don't really care at the end of the day what people think of me. What I care fundamentally about, what my life is about, is making that impact. And as a result, I'll use the resources, the things that I have in front of me to help make that kind of impact in the world. To have a meaningful impact, and in turn, to live a life that felt meaningful to Mike, he searched for a problem to solve, a social woe to correct for the betterment of everyone. I can remember back um, thinking about my dad's company and looking at it and just thinking, well, real estate, like housing, that's, that's old news. There's nothing exciting there, right? The exciting new technologies are all in tech and computer science and crazy innovations to support third world countries, right? To me, real estate and housing felt like a solved problem and therefore felt easy. I didn't want to jump into that. I didn't want to solve what felt like an easy problem. But one of the things I realized is that I think that's a common sentiment. And some of the brightest minds in the world are not working in changing specifically construction. I think construction has this stereotype of taking people that are sort of lower on the IQ scale, or maybe they couldn't get a desk job, so now they've got to work with their hands. And because of that, um, there's sort of been a brain drain in the industry. And I think we're seeing as a result the lack of real fundamental innovation in the space. There's been lots of flowery things that are exciting to see on TV, but real fundamental innovation uh, hasn't significantly taken place in the space. And so I thought to myself, like, why, why would I get involved in this industry? But what I started to realize is that because of that very fact, because it didn't have the oomph, energy, and brain power to support it, there was opportunity here. What we started to realize is that we could take this business and scale it up. And if we scale it up in a way that's driving down costs, we can actually get it to a point that we may be able to solve America's housing affordability crisis. And because it's such a big piece of our expense in our life, it actually can have a very outsized impact on all of us in a way that almost nothing else can. And that started to get me excited. So for a family that's maybe living paycheck to paycheck, think how big of an impact 
that a 15% reduction in your cost would look like. That means you can actually put money and save it away for a rainy day. That means you could uh, build up a retirement fund. That means you can actually take that vacation that you've been dreaming of taking. Your life will get better if the cost of your housing goes down. Because I mean, other than like work and well, these days when a lot of us work from home, like you spend most of your time at your home. So you want it to be someplace where it can be nice and safe and all those things. Yeah, in America today, rents and housing costs are rising faster than salaries. And if you look at the past 60 years, other industries, for example, uh, manufacturing has improved labor productivity by 760%. Agriculture has improved by 1500%. And during the same time period, construction has done nothing. It's been flat, right? Well, 10%. It's done nothing, right? This is unsustainable. If this continues, that means we're going to be in a tough spot here in the United States. And so the simple idea is just to apply the technologies and techniques that these other industries have used into the world of construction and into the world of housing, drive down housing costs. And my dad had always done that by being very frugal. And we're even doing it today with different techniques. And our costs are about 20 to 30% less than other developers. We believe that one day we can get that to a 50% reduction in costs. But imagine what that means. It means someday your rent could be half, or your mortgage payment could be half, and that could have a meaningful impact on a huge part of our expense. And there's even a bigger impact that we can have. And this one's a little harder to understand, but if you look at the next few decades, we have a demographic change happening in America. We're getting older. This means that more people are in retirement and less people are working. This just puts a higher need onto the economy. And unless something changes, our standard of life may decline. A big part of our expense, about 30% is housing. If we can drive down housing costs by as much as 50%, they can have a 15% impact on your standard of living, which would have a huge, huge positive impact to fight against that demographic change. And so not only do I think we can solve the housing affordability crisis, but I think we might actually be able to have a meaningful impact in the oncoming um, demographic change to America. I think that's a, a, a crazy awesome goal. <laughs> and that's Mike's brother, Lucas. A uh, big, hairy, audacious goal. I mean, it, 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 the, it is not an easy task. I mean, think about all the work that has to go in to achieve this really high bar of, of achievement, right? And it's, not, it's, it's, it's something you kind of set your sights to, right? It's something that you, you think about and you focus on that. And that's like the cool thing. And you want to make that happen. Um, and it's because of that inspiration that all the 90% of perspiration is achieved, right? Everyone's kind of like thinking about the same vision and, and wanting to go towards the same goal. And, and when you get a lot of people that are surrounded, kind of focusing on the same goal like that, suddenly something that is big, hairy, audacious, as a unicorn, suddenly it becomes something you can actually do. And, uh, and I think that's really amazing. I think it's cool that my brother is actually achieving this. It's, it's, it's weird that it's actually my brother. You know, you hear about stories like this, but it's, it's somebody I'm related to. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually very proud of Mike for going after this, for actually trying to achieve this goal and, and to find the people that are, are crazy enough to join him and go along with the journey. It's, it's really neat. Um, 
you know, and, and I'm very proud of my brother. I, I, I say it every time that I meet with him, like he tells me some other crazy thing he's doing to achieve this goal. And I'm like, really? Wow. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's awesome. And you're, you're doing great. Like, I, I can't believe I get to spend time with you. And then, then, you, you know, I get the, the privilege of, of meeting up with you for, for a, a day or two here and there, or whenever we get to meet up. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm amazed at what he's doing. And I think this whole, this whole thing is really neat. When we come back, Ed and Mike tackle an uphill battle with city council on a new construction project. Hey, it's Mike. Let's beat the banks at their own game. Traditional banks don't have great interest rates, but they charge businesses like Norhart higher rates and they keep all the profits. Why don't we cut out the middleman and connect directly, thus leaving more for both of us? Invest with us and earn fantastic interest rates. To learn more, visit norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com and click on invest. So if you're looking to grow your returns, then why not join Norhart Invest today and get more than you ever could at a bank? This is an offering by Norhart Invest. Investments can only be made through the Norhart Invest website. For more information, including the offering circular, please visit norhart.com forward slash invest. Ed spent much of his time in these years passing down valuable lessons in leadership and industry dealings to Mike. One of those lessons was about balancing a top quality building with construction costs. And that lesson struck a chord with Mike. Both Ed and Brenda are from North Dakota, grew up on farms, you know, the classic hardworking farm life. Um, His dad when he started building apartments, especially once it came to like the, the Forest Lake area that we're in now, he really wanted to provide a nice place for people to live that they could afford. Um, I remember him saying like, he's building his units for the average blue collar worker, you know, um, they were simple units, you know, we've kind of had a little shift and now our units are more, you know, you'd call them more of the luxury type because um, they just have more amenities and whatnot. But Ed's were, they were simple, but they were clean and they had a decent amount of space and um, people could afford them. And so I think that helped impact Mike, um, obviously doing something similar Uh trying to give people a nice place to live that they could afford, you know. Northbrook was the first apartment building that my dad constructed. And after he completed this, because he did it during the summer, he took the winter as a bit of a breathing room because it's very intense for him while we were building that building. And I think he just got restless and realized, wow, we we could do this again. We could build this up and grow it even further. And I think that sort of thought excited him. This is kind of the person that he was. You know, as a kid, I, I didn't really know much different. I suppose it's probably a lot like growing up on a farm. You're out there um, tending to the cattle and, you know, sowing the lawn and, and helping uh, take down the crop. You know, for me, just that was my summers. It was going to help my dad uh, in these buildings. Now, my, my uh, capabilities were terrible. I would often run and go hide or He'd have me just working on picking up nails on the ground. I mean, my dad was was so focused on lowering costs that 
I would take a nail and hammer it flat so that they could reuse it so they didn't have to buy a new nail. I think the kids learned a lot. This is Brenda, Ed's wife and mother to Mike and Lucas. Maybe they learned the wrong things. Ed was very determined and very driven and disciplined. And uh, gosh, my two boys are exactly the same way. Did they learn that there? Was it DNA? I don't know. Probably some of both. Um, and so I think that work ethic that my parents kind of instilled in my brother and I is what's made us, has allowed us to become successful. And uh, and yeah, they, they exemplified it day in, day out, year in, year out. And and I think that's why we've been able to achieve what we're able to achieve. And that's why, you know, we're, we're surrounded by the people we're surrounded with. And so his dad had um, started work on a new project, but kind of got stalled on it. So he wanted to do kind of like one bigger project before not really retiring, but before like slowing down. Um, but he was running into some issues um, just getting it approved, getting the costs in line. Um. You know, our company started off with building Northbrook, and that took a lot of tenacity and energy and strength to get there. And then we went and started building new buildings. Kind of year after year, my dad would get excited over the winter, and we'd start a new project in the summer. And then that eventually scaled up to the point where he had this, this dream of doing the largest building at the time in our city. It had an underground parking garage, which was a, a brand new concept, um, a community room that was just gorgeous at the time, and uh, decided to piece that one together. So that was kind of a key milestone for us. That's the building that became Legacy Apartments. And then uh, he went off to do one last smaller project after that, that legacy apartment project was right during a recession and uh, he eventually couldn't quite make it through all of that and so eventually laid off that team and then took a pause for a number of years. Uh, we worked on some mini storage, uh, built some buildings over there, but my dad really knew he wanted to do a project uh, with me and that's where Mill Pond was born. And so we worked on, even when I was in college, we worked a little bit on getting through city council approval. As we're thinking about building a building, the first thing you need to do is get approval from a city council. And so the, the point of this body is to make sure that you're building a building that the, the citizens like, that the neighbors like. And so there's a few different stages to go through. The first is through a planning commission meeting where you have the neighborhoods, the neighbors all come together and give their feedback on the project that you're building. And very oftentimes it's negative. It's, we don't want you in our backyard. It's people don't like change. They think it's gonna bring more traffic and, and uh, it's gonna be unruly, that tall building next to my house. I don't like that idea. You're removing what felt like a park or a forest before and now you're putting a building there. That sounds terrible, right? And so there's a lot of politics and emotion and passion that go into those meetings. But as you go past that, you eventually go to city council, who is the final decision, and they vote yay or nay on the project and the design of it. Once you get past all of that, then you have to get into the code, the technical parts. Is the building going to be safe? Is it not going to fall down? Does it meet ADA or safety or uh, uh, accessibility requirements? And so you go through the city through a process of verifying that, reviewing the plans, studying all that, making sure that's good. 
and eventually you get a building permit. This is your first chance to actually break ground and open up that, that the starting of the project. That whole initial design phase might take a year or two. In some cases, in some jurisdictions, it can take up to eight years. Um, but once you get through that, then you go through the building process. And then once you wrap up the building process, you can open it to the public. So toward the end of Mill Pond, uh, we realized we needed a new project in order to keep our crew moving forward. And so the started looking at different sites, looked at a lot of different options, uh, found a piece of land that I had uh, originally had offered or got an offer for $950,000 and I ended up buying it for $1.125 million. So there's a bit of a lesson in that. But once we found the land, we started identifying, started laying out um, designs and getting into the layout of units and how the building was shaped and how it was going to sit on the, um, the lot. I remember one day my, uh, my unit designs weren't that great and my uh, dad stepped in and said, dude, Mike, you need to improve this. Uh, but it was, really, it was really a tough moment because I've been working so many hours late at night to try to, to try to get these plans approved through the city. And uh, he stayed late one night with me to, to figure out those uh, those details. <laughs> I remember uh, like two or three days before the deadline was, I was up until two in the morning, night after night, and I would listen to a song. It was Timber on repeat over and over again just to keep the energy up so I could keep moving forward. And then we went through the planning commission meeting, and I did that one on my own, but uh, it didn't go super well because I'd pushed what I wanted and not what the city was in support of. And part of what I was thinking was like, well, I'm just a kid and I don't think people take me all that seriously. And so my dad and I then did a, um, a workshop meeting with the city council, kind of showing off more details of the project and he really helped lead that one. I think he was pretty nervous as well going through that. I don't think he ever loved city council meetings. When we come back, we'll learn more about Ed and Mike's relationship and the things that Mike learned from Ed along the way. Hey, it's Mike. Passive income is one of this year's hottest buzzwords, but what is it? Well, passive income is when the elite make money and the rest of us sleep. Here at Norhart, we decided to open up this opportunity to everyone by giving you the chance to invest with us and earn fantastic interest rates without doing a thing. To learn more, visit norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com and click on invest. So if you're looking to grow your returns, then why not join Norhart Invest today and see what you can build towards. This is an offering by Norhart Invest. Investments can only be made through the Norhart Invest website. For more information, including the offering circular, please visit norhart.com forward slash invest. You know, my dad built up about 90 units. That's a that's a good sized portfolio. It was, it was a good retirement to live on. For himself, he was at a good spot in his life. But I think there was something in him that just innately wanted to pass things down, to, so, to support his son and to, to see his son grow up and succeed. And so for him, the excitement of working on a project together, just my dad and, and me, um, something he was really excited about, I think took great pride 
and seeing that fulfilled. Um, and it's it's down to the little things. I think there's only so much sitting on a beach, uh, drinking a pina colada and, and looking out to the sunset that you can do before you get bored. But I, I think it's the, the, the connection, the relationship that you build with your son in doing these. So the original name was Kason and Kading and Son, right? Very, it was, it was what my dad was passionate about. And, uh, uh, we went to go see if a dot com was available for Kason and it wasn't. And uh, so we just started spending time studying and figuring out what kind of names we could do. And so this was around, I don't know, a few years after joining, but you know, probably the middle of Milpan. And we went through thousands of name combinations. And so I had to have something that had meaning, had to have a dot com available, had to be something we could trademark. And Kason just wasn't, didn't meet those requirements. I can remember one day that we were having a really tough time at one of the city council meetings and he just said, do you mind if we go to Dairy Queen? For him, he loved ice cream, he loved Dairy Queen. And we went to the local Dairy Queen and just sat there. And we didn't say much, but we didn't have to. And I think it's in those moments he felt that connection, we felt that connection, that relationship. And I think deep down, that's the heart of why he wanted to do this with the son. I think if my dad were leading the company and I was not involved, you know, he, he'd be done. Uh, he would have wrapped up by the end of Milpan. I think having me involved, he was incredibly excited to support me on that journey and to see what I could do with it. And he gave me a degree of freedom to make that happen. And so... I think if he would still be living today, we very much would be on that, on that journey. Uh, there may have been elements or certain things that he may have pulled me back from a bit, um, but I don't know if it would have been all that significant. Um, and in some ways, I think it probably would have been better. It may have helped me avoid some of the failures that I had. Leadership comes with setbacks and failures, but also with opportunities for success and for growth. And for Mike, this leadership bled far past just his role or title at any given time. It translated to the way he encouraged and pushed the people in his life toward their own hopes, dreams, and goals. I, like said, within four months of starting, he had promoted me to the construction manager. This is Marie Dickover, chief construction officer at Norhart. I was, I was like pretty excited. I mean, it was scary, but I was really proud of myself. And, and like I had said in, in my prior job, like one of the things that inspired me to to move and kind of take a bet on, you know, Kason at the time or take a bet, bet on working with Mike was the opportunity to do more with with my career than to kind of just be a, you know, seven to four, like punch in and just do like, I'm going to say a kind of like a drone. And so I think having him see that potential in me like really was exciting and made me feel more accomplished and, and proud of what I was doing for, for my work. Do you still see that today? I, I do. I think that like Mike pushes people to do like more than they would do on their own and not 
not in a negative way or like mean way, but maybe inspires people to do more than what they would just do naturally. You know, I admittedly, when, when I was young and even when I was kind of graduating college, it was still kind of like just kind of a family business, like any other family business. Not, not I mean, I'd say that wasn't impactful. Certainly we're giving people places to, to stay and live. Um, but it's really grown uh, since I've been there. And, and it's fun kind of seeing my brother kind of take this thing, this amazing business and, and turn it into something that's more than just, you know, something that puts food on the table. It's something that actually is meaningful to people, um, you know, around the, around the country you know, and I mean, yeah, certainly around this, the metro area, um, but also to now people that are, are even outside that. So it's really neat just seeing what my brother has built. It's, it's, I, I can't stress how, how cool it is. And obviously it's not just him and, and, and certainly where I work too, you got to give credit to not just the, the people that are, you know, that are kind of leading the charge, but also the people that are around them that make anything they do successful. So it's, it's really cool to see what he's built. And yeah, in terms of the things that he's doing in the community, you know, I, I definitely appreciate all the stuff that he's doing for, for families, for homelessness and, and all that stuff. It's, it's uh, pretty remarkable. Whether or not Mike realized it, Ed had been preparing him for what comes next, even when he himself didn't realize just how soon it would come. In these years of mentorship, Ed was preparing for Mike to take over the business. He was anxiously awaiting the opportunity to be a grandfather, to enjoy the years of his hard work with Brenda, and to watch his family blossom as a result of his sacrifice and dedication to others. But, as it often does, fate had other plans. As the story continues, tragedy strikes, forcing Mike to step in as Norhart's CEO, seemingly overnight. It was a four-year project, three years into it is when my, um, uh, my dad had a stroke. 